This episode is brought to you by bunnieslippers.com. Go to bunnieslippers.com in the show notes and learn how you can buy an awesome, awesome pair of those Highland cow slippers. They're so shaggy and they keep my feet warm in this breezy studio. You know what else is cool? Founditemclothing.com. Cool, cool, cool retro-looking t-shirts based off of designs found in your favorite cult films. I still always wear my Bad News Bears Chico uh, Bail Bonds t-shirt. The orange sleeves are super cool. Kind of a yellowy orange. They're cool. I like them a lot. I got a couple of them, and I wear them all the time when I'm doing stuff. They used to be my formal shirts, and uh, now they've turned into my woodworking shirts. But I wear them all the time still. And so can you at founditemclothing.com. Bunnieslippers.com, too, if you're always going for that uh, real genius cool guy uh, look that uh, What's-His-Face did. Real genius. That's a, that's a fun movie. I can't, I can't remember if it holds up still or if it has problematic scenes. All right. Anyway, uh, something that probably may have some problematic parts in it. Ambrose Spears's Devil's Dictionary. It was written in the late 19th century, so... I don't think he was a creep in some ways, but there's other ways that, I don't know, time just kind of moves on, and that's kind of just like... So, I'm not an Ambrose Spears apologist. If he says something that upsets you, you know what? It probably upsets me, too. Uh, so, yeah, hey, here's some Ambrose Spears Devil's Dictionary. Him poking fun at everything. I don't know who I'm going to have as a guest on this month, but I probably will try and uh, try and dig some people up for this one. So, hopefully, but I don't know, halfway through the month, towards the end of the month, there'll be some cool special episodes, and I don't know who else I can have. I mean, I can always bug Ken Hyde about it, and I can always, uh, I don't know, beg David Heath to help me out again, and I don't know, maybe uh, put a bunch of stuff up on Twitter and get the Ambrose Beers group uh, going on. Check out the Ambrose Beers group on Facebook. There's several Ambrose Beers groups. I recommend them all. <laughs> and what else? Oh, Don Swaim's uh, Death of Ambrose Beers. Really good book. Check that out. I'm always going to doubt that one. That is a fun one. Uh, I'm trying to remember if anyone's done any uh, Ambrose Spears RPGs that I know personally, uh, or any uh, troubadours who've uh, sung any songs. I don't think of any. Write me. Let me know. Go to pgttcm.com. Go to the comment section. Let us know what's going on. And uh, hey, why don't you check us out on Facebook and on Instagram? We're Black Clock Audio Tales. And hey, wherever you're listening to us, give us a a thumbs up, subscribe, uh, let other people know that you like us, and enjoy the show. Recording by Dreamward. The Devil's Dictionary by Ambrose Beers. The letter T. T, the twentieth letter of the English alphabet, was by the Greeks absurdly called Tau. In the alphabet, whence ours comes, it had the form of the rude corkscrew of the period, and when it stood alone, which was more than the Phoenicians could always do, signified talagal, translated by the learned Dr. Brownrigg, tanglefoot. Table d'hote, noun. A caterer's thrifty concession to the universal passion for irresponsibility. Old Punchinello, freshly wed, took Madame P. to table, and there deliriously fed as fast as he was able. <laughs> 
I dote upon good grub, he cried, intent upon its throatage. Ah, yes, said the neglected bride, you're in your table dotage. By Associated Poets. Tail. Noun. The part of an animal's spine that has transcended its natural limitations to set up an independent existence in a world of its own. Excepting in its fetal state, man is without a tail, a privation of which he attests an hereditary and uneasy consciousness by the coat skirt of the male and the train of the female, and by a marked tendency to ornament that part of his attire where the tail should be, and indubitably once was. This tendency is most observable in the female of the species, in whom the ancestral sense is strong and persistent. The tailed men described by Lord Mondabo are now generally regarded as a product of an imagination unusually susceptible to the influences generated in the golden age of our Pythican past. Take, transitive verb, to acquire frequently by force, but preferably by stealth. Talk, transitive verb, to commit an indiscretion without temptation from an impulse without purpose. Tariff, noun, a scale of taxes on imports designed to protect the domestic producer against the greed of his consumer. The enemy of human souls sat grieving at the cost of coals, for hell had been annexed of late and was a sovereign southern state. It were no more than right, said he, that I should get my fuel free. The duty, neither just nor wise, compels me to economize, whereby my broilers, every one, are execrably underdone. What would they have? Although I yearn to do them nicely to a turn, I can't afford an honest heat. This tariff makes even devils cheat. I'm ruined, and my humble trade all rascals may at will invade. Beneath my nose the public press outdoes me in sulfurousness. The bar ingeniously applies to my undoing my own lies. My medicines the doctors use, albeit vainly to refuse, to me my fair and rightful prey, and keep their own in shape to pay. The preachers, by example, teach what scorning to perform I teach, and statesmen, aping me, all make more promises than they can break. Against such competition I lift up a disregarded cry. Since all ignore my just complaint, by hokey-pokey I'll turn saint. Now the Republicans, who all are saints, began at once to brawl against his competition, so there was a devil of a go. They locked horns with him tete-a-tete in acrimonious debate, till Democrats, forlorn and lone, had hopes of coming by their own. That evil to avert, in haste, the two belligerents embraced, but since twere wicked to relax a tittle of the sacred tax, "'Twas finally agreed to grant that bold insurgent Protestant "'a bounty on each soul that fell into his ineffectual hell." Edom Smith Technicality In an English court, a man named Home was tried for slander in having accused his neighbor of murder. His exact words were, "'Sir Thomas Holt hath taken a cleaver and stricken his cook upon the head, "'so that one side of the head fell upon one shoulder "'and the other side upon the other shoulder.' The defendant was acquitted by instruction of the court, the learned judges holding that the words did not charge murder, for they did not affirm the death of the cook, that being only an inference. Tedium. Noun. Ennui, the state or condition of one that is bored. Many fanciful deviations of the word have been affirmed, but so high an authority as Father Jape says that it comes from a very obvious source, the first words of the Latin anthem, Tedium laudamus. 
in this apparently natural deviation, there is something that saddens. Teetotaler, noun, one who abstains from strong drink, sometimes totally, sometimes tolerably totally. Telephone, noun, an invention of the devil which abrogates some of the advantages of making a disagreeable person keep his distance. Telescope, noun, a device having a relation to the eye similar to that of the telephone to the ear, enabling distant objects to plague us with a multitude of needless details. Luckily, it is unprovided with a bell summoning us to the sacrifice. Tenacity, noun, a certain quality of the human hand in its relation to the coin of the realm. It attains its highest development in the hand of authority and is considered a serviceable equipment for a career in politics. The following illustrative lines were written of a Californian gentleman in high political preferment who has passed to his accounting. Of such tenacity his grip that nothing from his hand can slip. Well buttered eels you may o'erwhelm in tubs of liquid slippery elm in vain. From his detaining bench they cannot struggle half an inch. Tis lucky that he so is planned that breath he draws not with his hand. For if he did his, so great his greed he'd draw his last with eager speed. Nay, that were well, you say. Not so. He'd draw, but never let it go. Theosophy. Noun. An ancient faith having all the certitude of religion and all the mystery of science. The modern theosophist holds, with the Buddhists, that we live an incalculable number of lives on this earth, in as many as several bodies, because one life is not enough for our complete spiritual development. That is, a single lifetime does not suffice for us to become as wise and good as we choose to wish to become. To be absolutely wise and good, that is perfection, and this theosophist is so keen-sighted as to have observed that everything desirous of improvement eventually attains perfection. Less competent observers are disposed to accept cats which seem neither wiser nor better than they were last year. The greatest and fattest of recent theosophists was the late Madame Blatavsky, who had no cat. Tights. Noun. An habiliment of the stage designed to reinforce the general acclamation of the press agent with a particular publicity. Public attention was once somewhat diverted from this garment to Miss Lillian Russell's refusal to wear it, and many were the conjectures as to her motive, the guess of Miss Pauline Hall showing a high order of ingenuity and sustained reflection. It was Miss Hall's belief that nature had not endowed Miss Russell with beautiful legs. This theory was impossible of acceptance by the male understanding, but the conception of a faulty female leg was of so prodigious originality as to rank among the most brilliant feats of philosophical speculation. It is strange that in all the controversy regarding Miss Russell's aversion to tights, no one seems to have thought to ascribe it to what was known among the ancients as modesty. The nature of that sentiment is now imperfectly understood, and possibly incapable of exposition with the vocabulary that remains to us. The study of lost arts has, however, been recently revived, and some of the arts themselves recovered. This is an epoch of renaissances, and there is ground for hope that the primitive blush may be dragged from its hiding place amongst the tombs of antiquity and hissed onto the stage. Tomb. Noun. The House of Indifference. Tombs are now by common consent invested with a certain sanctity, but when they have been long tenanted it is considered no sin to break them open and rifle them, the famous Egyptologist Dr. Huygens explaining that a tomb may be innocently gleaned as soon as its occupant is done smelling, the soul being all exhaled. 
This reasonable view is now generally accepted by archaeologists, whereby the noble science of curiosity has been greatly dignified. Tope, verb, to tipple, booze, swill, so guzzle, lush, bib, or swig. In the individual, toping is regarded with disesteem, but toping nations are in the forefront of civilization and power. When pitted against the hard-drinking Christians, the abstemious Mohammedans go down like grass before the scythe. In India, 100,000 beef-eating and brandy-and-soda-guzzling Britons hold in subjection 250 million vegetarian abstainers of the same Aryan race. With what an easy grace the whiskey-loving American pushed the temperate Spaniard out of his possessions. From the time when the berserkers ravaged all the coasts of Western Europe and lay drunk in every conquered port, it has been the same way. Everywhere, the nations that drink too much are observed to fight rather well and not too righteously. Wherefore, the estimable old ladies who abolished the canteen from the American army may justly boast of having materially augmented the nation's military power. Tortoise, noun, a creature thoughtfully created to supply occasion for the following lines by the illustrious Ambat de Lazo. To my pet tortoise. My friend, you are not graceful, not at all. Your gait's between a stagger and a sprawl. Nor are you beautiful, your head's a snake's to look at, and I do not doubt it aches. As to your feet, they'd make an angel weep. Tis true you take them in whene'er you sleep. No, you're not pretty, but you have, I own, a certain firmness, mostly your backbone. Firmness and strength, you have a giant's thews, are virtues that great the great know how to use. I wish that they did not, yet on the whole you lack, excuse my mentioning it, soul. So to be candid, unreserved, and true, I'd rather I were I than I were you. Perhaps, however, in a time to be, when man's extinct, a better world may see your progeny and power and control due to the genesis and growth of soul. So I salute you as a reptile grand, predestined to regenerate the land. Father of possibilities, O deign to accept the homage of a dying reign. In the far region of the unforeknown, I dream a tortoise upon every throne. I see an emperor his head withdraw into his carapace for fear of law, a king who carries something else than fat, howe'er acceptably he carries that, a president not strenuously bent on punishment of audible dissent, who never shot, it were a vain attack, an armed or unarmed tortoise in the back. Subject subject and citizens that may feel no need to make the march of mind a wild stampede and all progress slow contemplative sedate and take your time the word in church and state o oh, tortoise tis a happy happy dream my glorious testudinous regime i wish in eden you'd brought this about by slouching in and chasing adam out tree noun a tall vegetable intended by nature to serve as a penal apparatus, though through a miscarriage of justice most trees bear only a negligible fruit or none at all. When naturally fruited, the tree is a beneficent agency of civilization and an important factor in public morals. In the stern west and the sensitive south, its fruit, white and black respectively, though not eaten, is agreeable to the welfare. That the legitimate relation of the tree to justice was no discovery of Judge Lynch, who indeed conceded it no primacy over the lamp-post and the bridge-girder, is made plain by the following passage from Morister, who antedated him by two centuries. While in that land I was carried to see the gogo tree, whereof I had heard much talk. 
but seeing it I saw not remarkable in it, the head man of the village where it grew made answer as followeth. The tree is not now in fruit, but in his season you shall see depending from his branches all such as have affronted the king his majesty. And I was further told that the word gogo signifieth in their tongue the same as rapscal in our own. Trial. Noun. A formal inquiry designed to prove and put upon record the blameless characters of judges, advocates, and jurors. In order to effect this purpose, it is necessary to supply a contrast in the person of one who is called the defendant, the prisoner, or the accused. If the contrast is made sufficiently clear, this person is made to undergo such an affliction as will give the virtuous gentlemen a comfortable sense of their immunity, added to that of their worth. In our day, the accused is usually a human being, or a socialist, but in medieval times, animals, fishes, reptiles, and insects were brought to trial. A beast that had taken human life, or practiced sorcery, was duly arrested, tried, and, if condemned, put to death by the public executioner. Insects ravaging grain fields, orchards, or vineyards were cited to appeal by counsel before a civil tribunal, and after testimony, argument, and condemnation, if they continued in contumatium, the matter was taken to a high ecclesiastical court, where they were solemnly excommunicated and ana anathematized. In a street of Toledo, some pigs that had wickedly run between the viceroy's legs, upsetting him, were arrested on a warrant, tried, and punished. In Naples, an ass was condemned to be burned at the stake, but the sentence appears not to have been executed. D'Adosio relates from the court records many trials of pigs, bulls, horses, cocks, do dogs, goats, etc., greatly, it is believed, to the betterment of their conduct and morals. In 1451, a suit was brought against leeches infesting some ponds about Bern, and the Bishop of Lausanne, instructed by the faculty of Heidelberg University, directed that some of the aquatic worms be brought before the local magistracy. This was done, and the leeches, both present and absent, were ordered to leave the places that they had infested within three days on pain of incurring the malediction of God. In the voluminous records of this cause celeb, nothing is found to show whether the offenders braved the punishment or departed forthwith out of that inhospitable jurisdiction. Trichinosis. Noun. The pigs reply to proponents of porcophagy. Moses Mendelssohn, having fallen ill, sent for a Christian physician, who at once diagnosed the philosopher's disorder as trichinosis, but tactfully gave it another name. You need an immediate change of diet, he said. You must eat six ounces of pork every other day. Pork, shrieked the patient, pork, nothing shall induce me to touch it. Do you mean that, the doctor gravely asked? I swear it. Good, then I will undertake to cure you. Trinity. Noun. In the multiplex theism of certain Christian churches, three entirely distinct deities consistent with only one. Subordinate deities of the polytheistic faith, such as devils and angels, are not dowered with the power of combination, much must urge individually their claims to adoration and propitiation. The Trinity is one of the most sublime mysteries of our holy religion. In rejecting it because it is incomprehensible, Unitarians betray their inadequate sense of theological fundamentals. In religion we believe only what we do not understand, except in the instance of an intelligible doctrine that contradicts an incomprehensible one. In that case we believe the former as a part of the latter. Troglodyte. Noun. Specifically, a cave dweller of the Paleolithic period, after the tree and before the flat. A famous community of troglodytes dwelt with David in the cave of Adullam. The colony consisted of everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented. In brief, all the socialists of Judah. Truce. Noun. 
friendship. Truth, noun, an ingenious compound of desirability and appearance. Discovery of truth is the sole purpose of philosophy, which is the most ancient occupation of the human mind, and has a fair prospect of existing with increasing activity to the end of time. Truthful, adjective, dumb and illiterate. Trust, noun, in American politics, a large corporation composed in greater part of thrifty workingmen, widows of small means, orphans in the care of guardians and the courts, with many similar malefactors and public enemies. Turkey, noun, a large bird whose flesh, when eaten on certain religious anniversaries, has the peculiar property of attesting piety and gratitude. Incidentally, it is pretty good eating. Twice, adverb, once too often, type. Noun. Pestilent bits of metal, suspected of destroying civilization and enlightenment, despite their obvious agency in this incomparable dictionary. Tsitsifly. Noun. An African insect, Glossina morsitans, whose bite is commonly regarded as nature's most efficacious remedy for insomnia, though some patients prefer that of the American novelist, Mendax Interminabilis. End of letter T in the Devil's Dictionary. Recording by Peter Yearsley The Devil's Dictionary by Ambrose Bierce Letters U to Z The Letter U Ubiquity Noun The Gift or Power of being in all places at one time, but not in all places at all times, which is omnipresence, an attribute of God and the luminiferous ether only. This important distinction between ubiquity and omnipresence was not clear to the medieval church, and there was much bloodshed about it. Certain Lutherans, who affirmed the presence everywhere of Christ's body, were known as ubiquitarians. For this error they were doubtless damned, for Christ's body is present only in the Eucharist, though that sacrament may be performed in more than one place simultaneously. In recent times ubiquity has not always been understood, not even by Sir Boyle Roche, for example, who held that a man cannot be in two places at once unless he is a bird ugliness. Noun. A gift of the gods to certain women, entailing virtue without humility. Ultimatum. Noun. In diplomacy, a last demand before resorting to concessions. Having received an ultimatum from Austria, the Turkish ministry met to consider it. O servant of the Prophet, said the sheikh of the imperial Chibuk to the mamouche of the invincible army, how many unconquerable soldiers have we in arms? Upholder of the faith, that dignitary replied after examining his memoranda, they are in numbers as the leaves of the forest. And how many impenetrable battleships strike terror to the hearts of all Christian swine? He asked the Imam of the ever-victorious navy. Uncle of the full moon, was the reply. 
deign to know that they are as the waves of the ocean, the sands of the desert, and the stars of heaven. For eight hours the broad brow of the sheikh of the imperial Chibuk was corrugated with evidences of deep thought. He was calculating the chances of war. Then, sons of angels, he said, the die is cast. I shall suggest to the ulema of the imperial ear that he advise inaction. In the name of Allah, the council is adjourned. Un-American, adjective, wicked, intolerable, heathenish. Unction, noun, an oiling or greasing. The right of extreme unction consists in touching with oil consecrated by a bishop several parts of the body of one engaged in dying. Marbury relates that after the rite had been administered to a certain wicked English nobleman, it was discovered that the oil had not been properly consecrated, and no other could be obtained. When informed of this, the sick man said in anger, Then I'll be damned if I die. My son, said the priest, this is what we fear. Understanding Noun a cerebral secretion that enables one having it to know a house from a horse by the roof on the house. Its nature and laws have been exhaustively expounded by Locke, who rode a house, and Kant, who lived in a horse. His understanding was so keen that all things which he'd felt, heard, seen he could interpret without fail, if he was in or out of jail. He wrote at inspiration's call, deep disquisitions on them all, then, pent at last in an asylum, performed the service to compile em. So great a writer all men swore, they never had not read before. By Jorrock Wormley Unitarian, noun, one who denies the divinity of a Trinitarian. Universalist, noun, one who forgoes the advantage of a hell for persons of another faith. Urbanity, noun, the kind of civility that urban observers ascribe to dwellers in all cities but New York. Its commonest expression is heard in the words, I beg your pardon, and it is not consistent with disregard of the rights of others. The owner of a powder mill was musing on a distant hill, something his mind foreboded, when from the cloudless sky there fell a deviled human kidney. Well, the man's mill had exploded. His hat he lifted from his head. I beg your pardon, sir, he said. I didn't know it was loaded. By Swatkin. Usage. Noun. The first person of the literary trinity. The second and third being custom and conventionality. 
Imbued with a decent reverence for this holy triad, an industrious writer may hope to produce books that will live as long as the fashion. Uxoriousness, noun, a perverted affection that has strayed to one's own wife. The letter V. Valor, noun, a soldierly compound of vanity, duty, and the gambler's hope. Why have you halted? roared the commander of a division at Chickamauga, who had ordered a charge. Move forward, sir, at once. General, said the commander of the delinquent brigade, I am persuaded that any further display of valour by my troops will bring them into collision with the enemy. Vanity. Noun. The tribute of a fool to the worth of the nearest ass. They say that hens do cackle loudest when there's nothing vital in the eggs they've laid. And there are hens professing to have made a study of mankind who say that men whose business is to drive the tongue or pen make the most clamorous fanfaronade o'er their most worthless work, and I'm afraid they're not entirely different from the hen. Lo, the drum major in his coat of gold, his blazing breeches and high-towering cap, imperiously pompous, grandly bold, grim, resolute, an awe-inspiring chap. Who'd think this gorgeous creature's only virtue is that in battle he will never hurt you? By Hannibal Hunsiker Virtues, plural noun. Certain abstentions. Vituperation, noun. Satire, as understood by dunces and all such as suffer from an impediment in their wit. Vote, noun, the instrument and symbol of a free man's power to make a fool of himself and a wreck of his country. The letter W. W has, of all the letters in our alphabet, the only cumbrous name, the names of the others being monosyllabic. This advantage of the Roman alphabet over the Grecian is the more valued after audibly spelling out some simple Greek word like epixoriambikos. Still, it is now thought by the learned that other agencies than the difference of the two alphabets may have been concerned in the decline of the glory that was Greece and the rise of the grandeur that was Rome. There can be no doubt, however, that by simplifying the name of W, calling it WOW, for example, our civilization could be, if not promoted, at least better endured. Wall Street, noun, a symbol for sin, for every devil to rebuke. That Wall Street is a den of thieves is a belief that serves every unsuccessful thief in place of a hope in heaven. Even the great and good Andrew Carnegie has made his profession of faith in the matter. 
Carnegie the Dauntless has uttered his call to battle. The brokers are parasites all. Carnegie, Carnegie, you'll never prevail. Keep the wind of your slogan to belly your sail. Go back to your isle of perpetual broom. Silence your pibroch, doff tartan and plume. Ben Lomond is calling his son from the fray. Fly, fly from the region of Wall Street away. While still you're possessed of a single bawbee, I wish it were pledged to endowment of me, T'were best to retreat from the wars of finance, Lest its value decline ere your credit advance. For a man twixt a king of finance and the sea, Carnegie, Carnegie, your tongue is too free. By Anonymous Bink War, noun, a by-product of the arts of peace. The most menacing political condition is a period of international amity. The student of history who has not been taught to expect the unexpected may justly boast himself inaccessible to the light. In time of peace prepare for war has a deeper meaning than is commonly discerned. It means not merely that all things earthly have an end, that change is the one immutable and eternal law, but that the soil of peace is thickly sown with the seeds of war, and singularly suited to their germination and growth. It was when Kublai Khan had decreed his stately pleasure dome, when, that is to say, there were peace and fat feasting in Xanadu, that he heard from afar ancestral voices prophesying war. One of the greatest of poets, Coleridge was one of the wisest of men, and it was not for nothing that he read us this parable. Let us have a little less of hands across the sea, and a little more of that elemental distrust that is the security of nations. War loves to come like a thief in the night. Professions of eternal amity provide the night. Washingtonian noun, a Potomac tribesman, who exchanged the privilege of governing himself for the advantage of good government. In justice to him, it should be said that he did not want to. They took away his vote and gave instead the right, when he had earned, to eat his bread. In vain he clamours for his boss, poor soul, to come again and part him from his role. By Offenbach Stutz Weaknesses Plural noun Certain primal powers of tyrant woman, wherewith she holds dominion over the male of her species, binding him to the service of her will, and paralyzing his rebellious energies. Weather Noun The climate of the hour a permanent topic of conversation among persons whom it does not interest, but who have inherited the tendency to chatter about it from naked arboreal ancestors whom it keenly concerned. The setting up of official weather bureaus and their maintenance in mendacity prove that even governments are accessible to suasion by the rude forefathers of the jungle. Once I dipped into the future far as human eye could see, 
and I saw the chief forecaster, dead as any one can be, dead and damned and shut in Hades as a liar from his birth, with a record of unreason seldom paralleled on earth. While I looked, he reared him solemnly, that incandescent youth, from the coals that he'd preferred to the advantages of truth. He cast his eyes about him and above him, then he wrote, on a slab of thin asbestos, what I venture here to quote, for I read it in the rose-light of the everlasting glow. Cloudy, variable winds, with local showers, cooler, snow, by Halcyon Jones. Wedding, noun, a ceremony at which two persons undertake to become one, one undertakes to become nothing, and nothing undertakes to become supportable. Werewolf, noun, a wolf that was once, or is sometimes, a man. All werewolves are of evil disposition, having assumed a bestial form to gratify a bestial appetite, but some, transformed by sorcery, are as humane as is consistent with an acquired taste for human flesh. Some Bavarian peasants, having caught a wolf one evening, tied it to a post by the tail, and went to bed. The next morning nothing was there. Greatly perplexed, they consulted the local priest, who told them that their captive was undoubtedly a werewolf, and had resumed its human form during the night. "'The next time that you take a wolf,' the good man said, "'see that you chain it by the leg, and in the morning you will find a Lutheran.'" Wang de Putinawa, noun, in the Ojibwa tongue, disaster, an unexpected affliction that strikes hard. Should you ask me whence this laughter, whence this audible big smiling, with its labial extension, with its maxillar distortion, and its diaphragmic rhythmus like the billowing of an ocean, like the shaking of a carpet, I should answer, I should tell you, from the great deeps of the spirit, from the unplummeted abysmus of the soul this laughter welleth, as the fountain, the gug-guggle, like the river from the cannon, to entoken and give warning that my present mood is sunny. Should you ask me further question, why the great deeps of the spirit, why the unplummeted abysmus of the soul extrudes this laughter, this all-audible big smiling, I should answer, I should tell you, with a white heart, tumpy-tumpy, with a true tongue, honest Injun, William Bryant, he has caught it, caught the Wangdiputinawa. Is it the sandhill crane, the shankank, standing in the marsh, the knee-deep, standing silent in the knee-deep, with his wing-tips crossed behind him, and his neck close-reefed before him, with his bill, his William, buried in the down upon his bosom, with his head retracted inly, while his shoulders overlook it? Does the sandhill crane, the shankank, shiver greyly in the north wind, wishing he had died when little, as the sparrow, the chip-chip does? No, tis not the shankank standing, standing in the grey and dismal marsh, the grey and dismal knee-deep. No, tis peerless William Bryan, realising that he's caught it, caught the Wangdiputinawa. Wheat 
noun, a cereal from which a tolerably good whisky can with some difficulty be made, and which is used also for bread. The French are said to eat more bread per capita of population than any other people, which is natural for only they know how to make the stuff palatable. White, adjective and noun, black. Widow, noun, a pathetic figure that the Christian world has agreed to take humorously, although Christ's tenderness towards widows was one of the most marked features of his character. Wine, noun, fermented grape-juice known to the Women's Christian Union as liquor, sometimes as a rum. Wine, madam, is God's next best gift to man. Wit, noun, the salt with which the American humorist spoils his intellectual cookery by leaving it out. Which, noun, definition one, any ugly and repulsive old woman in a wicked league with the devil. Definition two, a beautiful and attractive young woman, in wickedness a league beyond the devil. Witticism, noun, a sharp and clever remark, usually quoted and seldom noted, what the Philistine is pleased to call a joke. Woman, noun, an animal usually living in the vicinity of man and having a rudimentary susceptibility to domestication. It is credited by many of the elder zoologists with a certain vestigial docility acquired in a former state of seclusion, but naturalists of the post-Susan Antony period, having no knowledge of the seclusion, deny the virtue, and declare that such as creation's dawn beheld, it roareth now. The species is the most widely distributed of all beasts of prey, infesting all habitable parts of the globe, from Greenland's spicy mountains to India's moral strand. The popular name Wolfman is incorrect, for the creature is of the cat kind. The woman is lithe and graceful in its movement, especially the American variety, Felis pugnans, is omnivorous and can be taught not to talk. By Balthazar Poba. Worms meat, noun, the finished product of which we are the raw material. The contents of the Taj Mahal, the Tombo Napoleon, and the Granitarium. Worms meat is usually outlasted by the structure that houses it, but this too must pass away. Probably the silliest work in which a human being can engage is construction of a tomb for himself. The solemn purpose cannot dignify, but only accentuates by contrast the foreknown futility. Ambitious fool, so mad to be a show, how profitless the labour you bestow upon a dwelling whose magnificence the tenant neither can admire nor know. Build deep, build high, build massive as you can. The wanton grass-roots will defeat the plan by shouldering asunder all the stones in what to you would be a moment's span. 
Time to the dead so all unreckoned flies, That when your marble is all dust, Arise, if wakened, stretch your limbs and yawn, You'll think you scarcely can have closed your eyes. What, though of all man's works your tomb alone Should stand till time himself be overthrown, Would it advantage you to dwell therein, For ever, as a stain upon a stone? By Joel Huck Worship Noun Homo Creator's testimony to the sound construction and fine finish of Deus Creatus. A popular form of abjection having an element of pride. Wrath. Noun. Anger of a superior quality and degree, appropriate to exalted characters and momentous occasions, as the wrath of God, the day of wrath etc. Amongst the ancients the wrath of kings was deemed sacred, for it could usually command the agency of some god for its fit manifestation, as could also that of a priest. The Greeks before Troy were so harried by Apollo that they jumped out of the frying-pan of the wrath of Chryses into the fire of the wrath of Achilles, though Agamemnon, the sole offender, was neither fried nor roasted. A similar noted immunity was that of David when he incurred the wrath of Yahweh by numbering his people, seventy thousand of whom paid the penalty with their lives. God is now love, and a director of the census performs his work without apprehension of disaster. The letter X X in our alphabet, being a needless letter, has an added invincibility to the attacks of the spelling reformers, and like them will doubtless last as long as the language. X is the sacred symbol of ten dollars, and in such words as Xmas, Xen, etc., stands for Christ, not as is popularly supposed because it represents a cross, but because the corresponding letter in the Greek alphabet is the initial of his name, Christos. If it represented a cross, it would stand for St. Andrew, who testified upon one of that shape. In the algebra of psychology, X stands for woman's mind. Words beginning with X are Grecian, and will not be defined in this standard English dictionary. The letter Y. Yankee. Noun. In Europe, an American. In the northern states of our Union, a New Englander. In the southern states, the word is unknown. See Damn Yank. Year. Noun. A period of three hundred and sixty-five disappointments. Yesterday. Noun. The infancy of youth, the youth of manhood, the entire past of age. But yesterday I should have thought me blessed to stand high-pinnacled upon the peak of middle life, and look upon the bleak and unfamiliar foreslope to the west, where solemn shadows all the land invest, and stilly voices half-remembered 
speak unfinished prophecy, and witch-fires freak the haunted twilight of the dark of rest. Yea, yesterday my soul was all aflame to stay the shadow on the dial's face at manhood's noon mark. Now in God his name I chide aloud the little interspace disparting me from certitude, and fain would know the dream and vision ne'er again. By Baruch Arnagriff It is said that in his last illness the poet Arnagriff was attended at different times by seven doctors. Yoke, noun, an implement, madam, to whose Latin name, yugum, we owe one of the most illuminating words in our language, a word that defines the matrimonial situation with precision, point, and poignancy. A thousand apologies for withholding it. Youth, noun, the period of possibility when Archimedes finds a fulcrum, Cassandra has a following, and seven cities compete for the honour of endowing a living Homer. Youth is the true Saturnian reign, the golden age on earth again, when figs are grown on thistles, and pigs be tailed with whistles, and wearing silken bristles live ever in clover, and cows fly over, delivering milk at every door, and justice never is heard to snore, and every assassin is made a ghost, and howling is cast into Baltimost. By Polydore Smith the letter Z. Zany, noun, a popular character in old Italian plays, who imitated with ludicrous incompetence the buffone, or clown, and was therefore the ape of an ape, for the clown himself imitated the serious characters of the play. The Zany was progenitor to the specialist in humour, as we today have the unhappiness to know him. In the zany we see an example of creation, in the humorist of transmission. Another excellent specimen of the modern zany is the curate, who apes the rector, who apes the bishop, who apes the archbishop, who apes the devil. Zanzibari, noun, an inhabitant of the Sultanate of Zanzibar, off the eastern coast of Africa. The Zanzibaris, a warlike people, are best known in this country through a threatening diplomatic incident that occurred a few years ago. The American consul at the capital occupied a dwelling that faced the sea, with a sandy beach between. Greatly to the scandal of this official's family, and against repeated remonstrances of the official himself, the people of the city persisted in using the beach for bathing. One day a woman came down to the edge of the water, and was stooping to remove her attire, a pair of sandals, when the consul, incensed beyond restraint, fired a charge of bird-shot into the most conspicuous part of her person. Unfortunately for the existing entente cordiale between two great nations, she was the sultana. Zeal, noun a certain nervous disorder afflicting the young and inexperienced, a passion that goeth before a sprawl. When zeal sought gratitude for his reward, 
he went away exclaiming, Oh, my lord! What do you want? the lord asked, bending down. An ointment for my cracked and bleeding crown. By Jim Koopel. Zenith, noun. The point in the heavens directly overhead to a man standing, or a growing cabbage. A man in bed or a cabbage in the pot is not considered as having a zenith, though from this view of the matter there was once a considerable dissent among the learned, some holding that the posture of the body was immaterial. These were called horizontalists, their opponents verticalists. The horizontalist heresy was finally extinguished by Zanobus, the philosopher-king of Abara, a zealous verticalist. Entering an assembly of philosophers, who were debating the matter, he cast a severed human head at the feet of his opponents, and asked them to determine its zenith, explaining that its body was hanging by the heels outside. Observing that it was the head of their leader, the horizontalists hastened to profess themselves converted to whatever opinion the crown might be pleased to hold, and horizontalism took its place among fides defuncti. Zeus, noun, the chief of Grecian gods, adored by the Romans as Jupiter, and by the modern Americans as God, Gold, Mob, and Dog. Some explorers who have touched upon the shores of America, and one who professes to have penetrated a considerable distance to the interior, have thought that these four names stand for as many distinct deities. But in his monumental work on surviving faiths, Frump insists that the natives are monotheists, each having no other god than himself, whom he worships under many sacred names. Zigzag transitive verb, to move forward uncertainly from side to side, as one carrying the white man's burden, from Z, Z, and Jag, an Icelandic word of unknown meaning. He Z-jagged so uncommon wider, that none could pass on either side, so to come safely through, I been constrained for to dodge between by Monwele. Zoology, noun, the science and history of the animal kingdom, including its king, the housefly, Musca maledicta. The father of zoology was Aristotle, as is universally conceded, but the name of its mother has not come down to us. Two of the science's most illustrious expounders were Buffon and Oliver Goldsmith, from both of whom we learn in L'Histoire Générale des Animaux and A History of Animated Nature, that the domestic cow sheds its horn every two years. The End of The Devil's Dictionary by Ambrose Bierce Letters U to Z recorded by Peter Yearsley in the United Kingdom on the 18th of March 2006